One World podcast listeners. Today, we have an amazing American ecologist who specializes in the intersection between global climate change and fungal ecology. She is currently a professor in the Department of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology at the University of California, Irvine. She's also running for Irvine City Council to advocate for a more green, sustainable future. Please welcome Professor Kathleen Traceder. Do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah. Hi, um, I'm so glad to be here. So I um, am a professor at UCI, as David mentioned. For the past 30 years now, I have studied climate change and how it affects endangered ecosystems. And the mission of my job, the thing that gets me out of bed every day, is to make sure my work helps people, helps people adapt to climate change, especially people who are vulnerable, um, who might be more susceptible to floods or heat waves or pollution. Uh, and that is one of the reasons that I started getting more into public life here. From looking at my science, uh, I realized that we really need to work a lot faster on climate action. And so I decided to get out of the lab and the classroom and get into the community and start advocating for climate action here. Yeah, that sounds great how you're able to combine your um, interest in teaching with um, your more humanitarian efforts. Um, so what kind of research does the Traceder Lab do? Um, I know you're heavily involved in the, like the fungal networks, but do you mind yeah. introducing that to us for our audience? Yeah, so we study fungi and I'm sure it's not obvious what the connection is between fungi and climate change, uh, but the reason that we care about that is because fungi, they have a bunch of services that they process in ecosystems. And one of them is decomposition, which is, you know, just like recycling. So we'll have dead material, fungi will decompose it, and the nutrients in that material will be available for other organisms. As they do that, though, they release CO2 as a byproduct. And so you have all these fungi all over the world releasing CO2. And um, we care about that because it's a greenhouse gas. Now, for the most part, we can't control what the fungi do. They're just going to do their thing. But if we know and can predict how much CO2 they'll be releasing, we'll know how much we need to change our behavior, how much we need to reduce our CO2 emissions um, in order to uh, compensate for whatever the fungi are doing. So it ends up being very important in our predictions of climate change. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how impactful are um, organisms like fungi in like the whole global scale of climate change? Yeah, it's, um, they're, they're really important. If you actually, if you sum up the amount of CO2 that fungi release all over the world each year, it's something like 10 times as much as what humans um, introduce to the atmosphere. And so if even just like a small proportional change and what fungi might do, like let's say, oh, there's, drought or something. And so they reduce how much decomposition they do by like 5% because overall that's happening like across the world, that really adds up to a lot and can really, really change how much greenhouse gases are in the atmosphere. Yeah, I think that's an amazingly important statistic because I personally didn't know that fungi played such an important role in um, the addition to climate change um, yeah. and especially at such a big scale as well. Um, yeah. So what implications would this have for our global effort to combat climate change? Well, overall, um, 
what I think is that climate change will cause the fungi to release less CO2 actually to the atmosphere. And um, this is something that like right now I'm just making a conjecture um, in order to answer that question, we're actually putting all the information we have about fungi and how they respond to climate change in these big uh, simulations, like computer simulations that are simulating the global climate. We have these um, supercomputers here at UCI. They run these simulations all the time. We're going to add what we think about what the fungi are going to do, and then we're going to see how that affects atmospheric greenhouse gases. And I think that they'll actually reduce the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, which is very, very helpful. So that means that gives us a little, little bit more wiggle room for us to get our act together and start reducing our own greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah, it's great how you're looking to the future um, to mediate climate change. Um, so I also know you're a part of um, the Orange County Clean Power. Um, does your yeah. education background kind of tie into that? Yeah, um, it does. So, so I co-founded it uh, back in, I think, 2017 or so. And what started that was, you know, Trump had been elected not too long before that. And I was teaching this a fairly large lecture class at UCI on climate change. And, you know, I don't know if students realize when they're sitting in these big lecture halls, um, you may think that you are relatively anonymous, but when I'm down there at the lectern, I can look up and I can see everybody's facial expressions. <laughs> like, like nobody's hiding there. Um, the day that Trump's announced that he was going to pull out of the Paris Agreement, which is this international treaty to reduce climate change. We were watching live in our class because that announcement happened to coincide with our lecture time. And I was watching the students' faces from the lectern, and I could see just how devastated they were. They were so heartbroken. And um, it really touched me and at that moment, I decided, okay, what I'm doing is clearly not enough. Like I have thought my whole career, I just get this data, publish it in journals, and somehow people will find the right information and do the right thing. I realized that was not the case. So I decided to, yeah, just really change how I spend my time. Now I invest a lot of effort into working with the community and elected officials and talking about things that we can do right here, right now in Orange County to combat climate action. And so that is how my educational background and my career is linked to what I'm doing now in the community. Yeah, um, okay, now I feel we should transition into your um, campaign for Irvine City Council. And what can you tell us about your campaign? Yeah, well, um, so far it's going really well. Uh, I had a kickoff back in May. And um, the reason that I'm running is because I want to bring science to local government. And so, of course, that includes climate change. You know, Irvine really, really um, is a, a critical juncture right now in how it handles climate change. The city council is, has commissioned uh, a business to construct a, a climate adaptation uh, and action plan for the city. We need people who are knowledgeable to contribute to that plan so it has the best science in it. And also, I have 
ideas from talking to community members and businesses and things about what sort of things we can do to help Irvine reduce greenhouse gas emissions, like give incentives for more electric vehicles, um, you know, convert to renewable energy for all of our homes and businesses and so forth. So that is why I am running. Um, also, I was really excited um, last year, Irvine and three other cities committed to starting this community choice energy program. It's kind of like an energy startup basically where cities can choose what energy sources to use. And when cities do this, they often will pick like 100% renewable energy as their default. So it looked like uh, last year when Irvine started this program, that Irvine would likely be going to 100% renewable energy um, next year for all of, its, all of its residents, all of its homes and businesses. Um, that would be a huge, huge uh, effect on our greenhouse gas emissions. And so I wanted to get in there and really capitalize on that. That's why I'm running. Yeah, that sounds great. And with your education background and your other experiences, I think you could really make a difference for our Irvine community. Um, kind of in like the political sphere, like are you looking to um, branch out a little bit more and pursue other roles too? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, I have to say, say that I am really focused on um, becoming a part of the Irvine City Council. And I don't have ambitions beyond that. I know a lot of people, they are thinking of, you know, working up the ladder, um, you know, like start off a city council member and then maybe go to assembly member or state senator or something like that. Um, that's not really my goal. The reason that I'm running is to help the people of Irvine and especially to help them create a better environment. And so since that is my goal, I'm not actually focused on moving up the ladder unless it seems like that's really important to accomplish these benefits for the environment. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, for anyone else in our Irvine community, do you have a few words you would like to say to them um, regarding your campaign? Oh yeah, just that um, things are going really well so far. Um, we exceeded a really ambitious fundraising goal for this last quarter. You know, we had targeted about $50,000 in donations and we actually um, made $53,000 in donations. And that's from more than 300 people, more than 300 donors. So this is a really grassroots community led campaign and it's for people who really, really care about the environment and believe in science. And so I'm really happy for this vote of confidence from the public. And I'm just gonna keep going. And any help, <laughs> any help that people might be willing to give, I need volunteers. Um, we're really trying to get things set up here. Uh, donations, of course, are always useful. We have to um, buy mailers to send to all the voters and those are shockingly expensive. So yeah, overall, I say that things are going well because of our community and I do need more help in order to make sure I get to the city council. Yeah, that sounds phenomenal. Um, so I also know that you are a member at large for the Green Ribbon Environmental Committee. Yeah. Um, and since there are a lot of youth like me um, looking to involve themselves in climate activism, can you explore this topic a little bit more? Like what do yeah. you, um, and what have you accomplished thus far? 
Yeah, so the Irvine Green Ribbon Environmental Committee is really great. So um, basically, you know, cities, they'll, they'll have a city council who is governed, you know, they're governing the city. But then the city council, you know, can't do everything. And they rely on people with different areas of expertise to weigh in on different parts of the city. So cities will have commissions or committees to address different topics and they advise the city council. So the Green Ribbon Environmental Committee advises the Irvine City Council on environmental actions. And so this is wonderful. We have on the committee something like three or four professors from UCI, as well as some amazingly experienced and talented community members. And we get to decide like, what is really important for the city right now? Should we work on banning single-use plastics? We've been talking about that. Should we make sure the city is safe from wildfires that are caused as part of climate change? Uh, we're working on that. And then also we are working a lot on this climate action and adaptation plan. And I'm really pleased at the last Irvine City Council meeting, um, we proposed a resolution that would um, require the city of Irvine to have no greenhouse, no net greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. So that would require a lot of immediate action for the city. And it received a lot of support from the Irvine Green Ribbon Environmental Committee and that that's gonna go next to the city council. I'm looking forward to them voting on it. So we're really able to do a lot of tangible work. Now, how can students get involved? Well, there's actually two new members of the Green Ribbon Environmental Committee. Um, we've just recently added, one is a middle school student and the other is a college student. And so these positions will be held in perpetuity for specifically middle or high school students and college students. So people can apply if they want. Um, also, we really welcome people to attend the meetings and give public comments. And so you can find the Green Ribbon Environmental Committee's agendas and schedule online. You can take a look at the agenda and see if there's anything that's of interest to you. If you want, you can come to the meeting and speak for a few minutes about it. And so there's a lot of ways to really get engaged if you want. Yeah, especially because I know public participation is so critical for the fight against climate change. I think it really is important for a lot of people to participate in um, local initiatives like these. Yeah, you know, I have to say that there was one whole initiative that was just led by the community. Um, there are community members that really, they want to ban gas powered lawn equipment like leaf blowers. And, um, you know, I didn't even know about this, but leaf blowers emit a ton of pollution, more than a lot of cars. And so if we were to ban those, it would actually really help the environment. And this was totally community led. There are community members who um, advocated for this to us. They brought in presenters who are experts. They asked us to take particular actions and we were very happy to do it. And it was all from the community. Yeah, it's great that regular citizens have the platform to share their ideas um, in an applicable way too. Yeah. Yeah, so as we begin to wrap up our interview, do you have any words of advice for our One World podcast listeners? Yeah, I guess it would be that, um, you know, I know that it can feel daunting sometimes to read about climate changes, you know, like 
the heat waves that we had recently, um, forest fires, things like that. Um, I, I feel daunted when I read these stories, but there's a lot we can do. I want people to remember, if we change the environment one way, we can change it back. We do have that power. And there's a ton of people who really care about this. So none of us is alone. There's millions, maybe billions of people all over the globe who are each doing what they can for the environment. And so even a small action from you, um, you know, maybe like once a week really, really adds up. And, you know, I don't expect anybody, any one person to fix the world entirely, but we can sure make an effort to make it better. And so I just really encourage everybody to remember we're not alone in this. Yeah, so I think this is such a great reason to continue our podcast and continue other outreach events um, through the Orange County Climate Reality Project and other organizations to really bring attention to the climate crisis and what that means for our future. So yeah. for our last question, we all have in common this one world, Earth. Um, for you, what is one way that you're looking to create a better mm -hmm. one world? You know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot myself um, during the quarantine. During the quarantine, I've um, really spent a lot of time, you know, meditating. And a lot of times when I start meditating, I really start thinking about like this, this breath that I'm taking in right now, the oxygen in there came from say, you know, the rainforest in Brazil or something like that. Um, I'll think, well, these thoughts that I'm thinking right now, they're from energy that I got from eating corn from Iowa. I mean, as we go through our day, just our, our normal daily activities, we are so connected so far across the world. And there are so many actions that people can take that affect us immediately. Um, I think that just thinking about that for myself has really changed me. I, I think a lot about all my actions and how they might affect other people. And I also think it helps me if I even do something small, you never know who's gonna benefit from that. It's worth doing. And um, also I wanna just come back around to my science background. You know, this idea of connection and responsibility and understanding the consequences of our actions, these are all firmly rooted in science. The area of science that I study, ecosystem ecology, is all about interactions. And so we know from the science and we also know from our own efforts that by considering these interactions, we can make good decisions. Yes, I definitely think that mentality of um, every single thing I do will have an impact is so critical because I know a lot of people are discouraged by the fact that there are these like mega corporations that are um, definitely adding to the climate change processes. But at a local level, we have to unite and make lifestyle changes um, and policy changes like you are um, hopefully trying to do through the Irvine City Council to really make a difference. And I think the mentality is where it all happens. Yeah, you know, I have to say, like, even a small thing, like, I understand a lot of people might not know where to get started, maybe for climate action, although, of course, OC Climate Reality Project is, is the right way to get started. But even if you, if you don't have the bandwidth to do that, like, you can just plant in your yard, plant a, a, a 
plant species that has a lot of flowers that will attract bees and butterflies. You know, you do that. It's a very small thing, but the more that people do that around our neighborhood, the more butterflies and bees will have, and those will go out and interact with other flowers and pollinate things. And so even if it's just a small thing like planting a tree, uh, it can be very powerful and empowering to think that you can really change things that way. Yes, and that's exactly what we try to do with our One World podcast, inspire other people to strive for a more sustainable green future. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to interview with us. It was an amazing experience, and I definitely think our audience have the opportunity to learn more about you and your Irvine City Council campaign. Great. Well, thanks so much for having me. I feel really honored, and I'm so glad I had a chance to share with your listeners.